Wardcast episode 214, go! I'm Dylan Vento, and rejoining us is Jay Tholen, creator of Dropsy the Clown and Hypnospace Outlaw. How are you doing, Jay? Doing well. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, enjoyed having you on last time as we just found out, remembered, recollected that it was two years ago, mm. over two years ago. It's a um, long time. It is a long time. How, how far along were you in hypnospace development at that point was it two three years yeah okay so the 2017 which part of 2017 summer summer so i was uh you could say about two years though certainly not like in the 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 first year wasn't uh you know hardcore working on it so much just getting ideas and concepts and uh, mock-ups and kickstarter formalities going sure unless you count hypnospace enforcer the prequel game which was which would have been earlier 2014 so yeah. that completely slipped my mind you you released one it was a release thing was it part of the kickstarter like was that a demo that you released with nah, it no nah, I, I was actually embarrassed of it and i scrubbed it from the internet for the kickstarter <laughs> uh and you know you don't want people to google and then see this old mini game effectively it was like a 15 minute game i made it in like two weeks it was just a fun little 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 game yeah was that more modeled after what hypnospace used to be because obviously like the more like um real-time action-y components of the game yeah that's what it was were removed right okay yeah it was just a action like little endless runner car weird thing a play on the information superhighway concept i guess yeah i remember i remember seeing those clips from the from the kickstarter Mm -hmm. trailer um but so the game's out Mm -hmm. it is it is out into the world released unleashed um i've been playing it uh on and off throughout the year, um, I think I played it pretty heavily uh, right after GDC because you guys released it during GDC, which brave, brave choice. I think we talked about <laughs> that uh, uh, while we were at GDC just because like I forgot what the justification. I think Mike Rose said something effective like, I know other other devs weren't really thinking about that week because they're usually distracted with GDC or what was the justification for that again? Uh, a little bit that and... Um a little bit that we just it was the best time in terms of you know when no other games were coming out like no even though we're not competing with big games they tend to hog the new the press you know so people won't you know wouldn't cover something our size if we released alongside devil may cry 5 which was something that came out, I think, a week or something before ours. Um, And it was a week before GDC started. So there was a little, a little pocket, a little, little bit of time there that people could play without being, without, before traveling. I think people had maybe three or four days before their travel started. And it was... um... Something else came out around that. Didn't Baba is you like release like close to you guys? So like Gosh. there was like these two like very mm-hmm. very uh, enjoyable indies kind of like coming out 
together. I believe that Baba was it within one day. I don't know. It might have been the day after us. Yeah. I'm not sure. It was within a day though. Um so yeah, we talked about it a lot like at the beginning of the year. Uh both me and uh my co-host Alex Damrath were really, really into the game. Um and it's I kind of I kind of marveled at it when we were playing it about how like the little intricacies that you got from like that era of the internet and to clarify so like obviously like the so the game like takes place in like kind of like an alternate 1999 kind of almost turn of the millennium um and the you got stuff down to like when you do the tutorial section and it has like the little the the pre-recorded like woman running you through some of the steps Mm -hmm. and just the the uh quality of her audio like it is like compressed in just such a specific way as late 90s computers did right and so i'm I'm curious like what were your specific inspirations for all that stuff because i mean i feel like everyone has like a different like thing that inspires them from like that era of the internet like for me it's like oh you know i was i don't know like in in elementary school so big neopets kid or <laughs> you know and, and stuff like that and like what specifically were like were you looking at were things that like you remembered from that era and then what did you have to like expand upon from like oh i was actually like my knowledge is actually pretty iffy in this area and i think improving it there would help the game okay yeah so a lot of my childhood, um, gee, how old was I? I was 10 when we first got a computer. So I would say from probably six until 10 years old, I was obsessed with computers, the idea of computers, um, more than computers themselves. Uh, maybe for a total of two hours at school and all that time, I was able to touch a computer. They didn't really have it on the internet yet uh, in our we had, we're in kind of a podunk out in the middle of nowhere sort of school district out there. So uh, they didn't really get on the Internet until I was in middle school, uh, which would have been a couple years later. So um, the game in some way might be playing with my expectations of like what the Internet was. And when I was reading magazines, you know, you know, I, I, I would I, I bought PC Gamer magazine and PC games um a lot and and read that in lieu of actually playing computer games you know and and uh you know you'd see all these advertisements for 3d chat and uh the, i forgot what it was called not cyber worlds that's that's our fake one but um town town cyber towns or god i don't remember now but um so some sort of gd or uh some sort of geocities equivalent kind of thing yeah well this thing in particular is like a thing where everyone has 3d avatars and they're all in some space very low res probably billboarded sprites or or low poly models or something but you know and everyone's chatting but but the promotional artwork didn't show the low poly nature of it it just showed this you know crazy uh pre-rendered scene with like i don't know shiny anime looking people flying around talking to each other and um you know there's a lot of these that goes into like the the marketing of like you said the walled garden like aol 
or or even GeoCities, uh, where they offer you a free page and all of these early sort of uh, services um, promised, they almost promised you a place to live in this other world and this. Right. Uh, as opposed to now everyone's a bit more used to it and we're a bit more cynical uh, about it. But 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 the dream was that this was a new place and we're forming a new society and it's going to bring everyone together. And just this, all of this was playing in my mind and I was just expecting it to be some, you know, escape or some utopian thing. So I think that, just that feeling of, of being real excited for this um, and but not having experienced it yet that felt magical and and i think that was part of what i wanted to capture at least with uh with with hypnospace and then in 97 when i did get a computer it took about two more years to get the internet so i would ms paint fake websites and (laughs) things like i thought that's how you made them you know i'm like oh look it looks like a website you know i if i put it online then but um and I think that those early years without internet and then I would get these, you know, a hundred game CD ROMs and most of them were like very bad, but you would get a sense. A lot of these games were scraped from the internet, you know, and, and so I had some exposure to like before having the internet to like these weird fan game communities and these weird, like small games that someone stole and slapped on like a thousand game CD ROM or something. And then when I, I finally did get the internet, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned this last time, but it was slightly disappointing because it it just wasn't the the flying around talking to people from other cultures. And, you know, there was really no video chat to speak of yet. And the 3D 3D chat service things weren't really good or couldn't really use them on my dial up connection. So um, just just all, that whole period of time from like dreaming about the internet to the little bit of disappointment with what it actually ended up being and then ultimately becoming re-obsessed with what it actually was that whole chunk of time i think was and i was like a windows you know windows i think no windows 95 was what i first got so that that's what inspired i would say the game okay yeah i mean i can relate to that not on the on the computer side i i I can't remember when we got internet um i mean it was definitely probably before i got into middle school and so like you know and i was born in 91 so like that's that's the so that's probably like nine that's probably like 2001 2002 Mm -hmm. um but uh um but for me like i kind of had that same experience where you're talking about like looking through magazines and stuff except for console games Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. i did not own a console the video game console home console until the GameCubes. Mm. Um, so, like, I went most of my, you know, um, childhood just having handhelds. I mean, I would play stuff at, at other people's houses, but, like, I never had that console experience. Like, I never played, like, Ocarina of Time. But, like, I would sit down. I think I had this very old, worn uh, issue of Nintendo Power <laughs> where they had, like, half of a level's worth of tutorial for the first Paper Mario. Oh, yeah. And I would just sit there and stare at the the Paper Mario, like, screenshots and the map layout, like, they had the entire, like, <laughs> yeah. level laid out for you. And so, yeah, I, I can understand that, like, imagining what a thing could be and then maybe being disappointed by, like, how the thing never, like, actually reaches your, your expectations and how, like, this nebulous thing 
uh, always kind of like resides in the back of your mind of like what it could be. Right. I think that's that's what's really cool about the game about Hypnospace is that people can then experience it's like, all right, well, like this is like this is weird, like imaginary, like way that like a child might perceive something that they only like half heard of right. in, in hushed tones. I and mean, stuff. And companies are aiming at a slightly people with money, I guess, or when with that ki- that kind of thing in particular like vr chat or whatever it was not vr chat that's new you know but um but but the equivalent the, the predecessor to that yeah, in a way. but like to kids you see that and you're kind of taking it at face value more or less you know you don't know where the boundaries are <laughs> but yeah that's that's super relatable going to friends houses was amazing uh to check out you know the games they had and you know, that you were dreaming about maybe or whatever. So, Right. All right. Well, let's talk about, that's a great segue, what you talked about, uh, corporate advertising. Let's talk about corporate advertising and the corporate structure of Merchant Soft and how confusing it was to me that there is a character named Dylan in this game. <laughs> and then I received emails to Dylan from Dylan and oh, I lost you, my sense of self while playing Dylan this game. as your yeah. name. Yep. Oh. Yeah. Oh, right. Yes. Um, but so, uh, and to be clear, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't finished the game yet. Um, but, uh, I have, uh, to give you an idea of where I am, I'm, okay. I'm a little bit past the, uh, the freelance, which I guess is like the kind of like the act two structure, like probably like at the end of the act two structure. Mm-hmm. Um, like I went through that, that whole, uh, area, but basically like what you've kind of set up in hypnospace is this, this, uh, fake company called merchant soft, which obviously seems like a a spinoff or a uh, a critique of microsoft and they have and they're the ones like kind of building owning hypnospace um and they're the ones that kind of like put down all of the 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 structures and and the rule sets and the you know end user license agreements that you have to agree to in order to right. to use um hypnospace and all right so t- to start with uh one of the <laughs> One of the realest moments of this game that I hit was there was a part where you find, I forget, it might have been Blaine, it might have been like someone else in Teentopia, uh, but there's a character that you find who is harassing another uh, person and you give them like their, you issue them their ticket um, mm-hmm. and that gets reported back to to Merchantsoft. And then there is a woman um i believe it's like the woman like saying she'll perform like digital seances or something i forget which one that Uh, would be sherry but yeah (laughs) okay um who is like using trying to skirt around using the hypno coin because you have the secondary you have that you have the other currency Mm -hmm. in the game that's like not you know legally licensed it's not recognized by by merchant soft and i and i give her a a strike against her page and then I get my reports back from Merchant Soft, and the guy that was harassing the dude and like threatening him and all this stuff gets like a warning, like a wag of the finger, and then this other woman got like a three day ban. Right, right. And I was like, that's way too real. Right. I can't. I like that's probably like the most like succinct way of like talking about like because you 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 have a lot of um uh a lot of kind of commentary in this about like you know. I don't know what the proper terminology would be to use like commercialization or late stage capitalism or just like the, the, the unfortunate uh, uh, realities that uh, hit even the most optimistic um, 
uh, technologies that we've created. And I know uh, uh, Zalavir Nelson uh, worked on the game as like a, uh, a narrative designer slash writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious, like, was it was this was this portion of the game always like part of the 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 idea of hypnospace from the beginning or is this something that kind of like came out as you as you went along yeah okay so um the idea from merchant soft came from i was listening to this podcast and doing a lot of reading about the dot-com era like um 98 99 and into 2000 when there was a crash uh right and uh, pre-bubble mm-hmm, the dot-com bubble and um there were a lot of companies that i would say merchant soft is very much like a, a mixture of a lot of companies uh one the the a common thread though was that most of them had very young young people who people who 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 were i guess marketing themselves as you could say whiz kids or like um maybe even as young as like 18 years old uh they just learn often programming by themselves uh and you know not usually 18 but they can be as young as 18 and um investors at the time did not want to miss this web thing internet worldwide web thing um because there were all these graphs a famous one showing um how much broadband was going to impact the web and how many houses were going to have broadband by the year 2002 or something and the the graph goes way up showing how many people uh end up getting broadband which ended up being true but maybe not at the quite the pace that they were hoping but um and so for, uh, two examples would be sudo.com. And that was an early internet TV station, sudo.com. And um, so a sudo, a proto YouTube? You could say, but not user content. It was just their own. Oh, okay. Like almost a proto Netflix, but people were still kind of stuck thinking of things as, you know, a TV station. So that was their the context they went with. And and they had like music programs, a little edgy, like younger. I think they were going for younger audiences or maybe uh, I mean, they were going for wealthier people because I think that's who had Internet, too, it seems. But the guy who 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 um, ran in the place, uh, Joshua Harris, I think his name was, um, had extravagant parties and he's a really <laughs> smooth talker. He makes me think of the fire festival, dude. Who okay, and how yeah. he's able to convince people to drop money on him, um, and it was very impressive walking through their studio. Uh, it was very impressive, but he really didn't um, have a, a great plan, I guess. And he just was a cocky guy who partied a lot, and. Like they just had the, the, and they were in not in Silicon Valley, but they were in the New York equivalent, which is Silicon um, Silicon Alley. Alley, yeah. And so that guy, in some ways, inspired your character, Dylan. Um, <laughs> Me, yeah, he's actually just oh, you. <laughs> I want to say there are there are two games this year that have characters named Dylan <laughs> in them. It's this and Control, and they're both assholes, and I mm. don't like this. 
Yeah, you don't really go. You don't really get to like Dylan much more. <laughs> yeah. in this yeah, game, yeah, I'm sure as I'm it sure. progresses. Um, there's also a smaller example is like theglobe.com, which is also started by two younger people who just ended up getting money dumped on them uh, by investors who were like, "Oh yeah, you're definitely the next big thing." And then they didn't, they had no idea what to do with it. It's kind of amusing. So, um, and they didn't, they, they, they didn't go down as hard as pseudo or some of these other ones did, but they, you know, they, they went down. Um, and so it's just, but I mean, on the other side of it, all of these services have, uh, people who used the services and, you know, there's some kind of weird, uh, you know, the people using the services have no idea what's going on with all this, like, like crazy amounts of wealth and all of this uh, trying to figure out how to make this profitable and marketable because I don't think they had trouble getting numbers. They got lots of people to visit their websites because yes. they're yep. slim pickings, but they could not monetize. There's They had such a hard time making money. So we, we're seeing the same thing again right now with the gig economy. It's like it's it's so cyclical, like uber doesn't uber's not profitable uber is just basically like th- their ipo their valuation is completely based off of like how uh how many customers that they get they can serve mm-hmm. and basically they're just trying to like make their runway and their money burn last long enough that to make them last until they can reliably monetize self-driving cars yeah, because they they pay they because the price of the amount they're ma- making from customers and then the amount they have to pay the drivers is just it doesn't equate to a profitable sustainable business. But like like we saw with the dot com era, like it's just a, it's a lot of people like just getting uh just getting whipped up into a frenzy about like the potential of like how much this could be making, and then once it all collapses, it's just like well. Right. On to the next thing. I mean, and with that example, with like self-driving cars, like I think Hypnospace touches on this a lot, is that there's a transition from like being a person who's super nerdy about this stuff and super into it conceptually, um, like self-driving cars are the future, you know, and and like similarly, like the web, it's going to bring everyone together. People were so excited about it, like, um, and... I think that a lot of the people who started these companies or who were involved in the early stage of the uh, stages of these companies were similarly like genuinely excited about what could happen. And it was their passion thing and they were super into it. And then, of course, eventually you got to start making money on it. These people gave you millions of dollars and they want you to give them a return. And um, so the tra- there's a transition there to where you have to start doing things that just aren't in the best interest of the people who use your service um, or the people who work for you um, also. So uh, Hypnospace, as it continues, you're going to start from where you're at. I think you're about halfway through. Yeah, I think so. You're going to... It's like four acts, right? Yeah, four acts. You're going to start getting um, real quickly into the it doesn't get so i don't want to spoil anything but yeah you're gonna get real quickly into seeing this transition take place uh 
and and they start making more cynical decisions as a company and but it's there's some wrestling within the company between like some of the people who are just still very you know passionate about their what they're doing and then um them trying to do that but also appease the people who need to see a return so uh and it just becomes a little bit of a mess so um and you kind of see that already with like the freelance stuff which is like an area i actually i really i really enjoyed i both enjoyed like the concept of it like what those uh the fictional characters are trying to do but also like the puzzle element to it like there was this great sequence there where you're like trying to find this like decompression <laughs> software for this proprietary quote-unquote proprietary file format that these people that operate this area of hypnospace called the freelance where they basically like they want to get out of the uh the the towns the geo cities-esque like model that <laughs> uh merchant soft had created and they just kind of have like this freewheeling like you know con uh confederation out in like right. a, a, the corner of the of the hypnospace and it's like that is already like a reaction of of the characters not liking like what merchant soft is trying to do with this virtual space yeah yeah that's that in part uh with the freelance was based well there are a lot of uh, I don't know, is the right word insurrections or something? But a lot of these these events uh, with real companies, like, for example, when Yahoo bought GeoCities, there were lots of people who posted these things that are like, I'm done here. This is, I'm <laughs> They're going to Angel Fire or, you know, I'm starting my new website over here. And of course, domain names were becoming more ubiquitous just to get your own old domain name and do your own thing so that kind of was the right time for that but um there's you've you've probably heard of this it's what is it one terabyte of the kilobyte age is a blog and they go through old geocities websites and i think some other old websites as well and uh they had a blog post about this like sort of yahoo anger um and they also have a blog post about y2k which uh hypnospace touches on also to put it lightly i guess um yeah it's a really good website if you're interested in that era but um i would say i would credit that website also with uh some of the inspiration for some of the plot there right I also see you retweet like a bunch of I, there's a couple accounts I think that like just show pictures of old GeoCities pages or just like web pages from the 90s and just like look at this site look at how this looked yeah um, it's fascinating yeah yeah um, I I sometimes go to the site or not site the I sometimes go to the YouTube channel whoa I remember that game mm -hmm. I believe it's what it's called have you ever been to this where it's showing like old PC games from like Windows 98. No, I haven't actually, but I really want to now. You should you should look it up. And the icon for the the channel is just the my computer Perfect. desktop icon on like that uh, traditional default green yeah desktop background. That um, sort of teal really green, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah. There's like, and 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 they do let's plays, quote unquote. Like it's not narrated let's plays, but they just do like playthroughs of like here's like this old edutainment game that you know you've played but you can't really remember 
Um, and then you find that there's also because uh, because I, I make a big deal like trying to remember like things I play like you, you've had this I'm sure like you've like oh this is old game it's like this weird it's either edutainment or some like random ass PC game that like it's not gonna have a Wikipedia page it's not yes. gonna have like any metadata anywhere on the internet about like how am I gonna find this there's this really good uh, subreddit called uh, Tip of my joystick, which is a terrible name yeah. for a subreddit, but it's a play on tip of my tongue, and it's you go in there and you describe a game, and these people someone I don't, will it's, know, it's, yeah, it's like a crack team. Like these people are like savants. It is incredible. Like I put this like I was like, all right, this old edutainment game I played from from like elementary school. It's very obscure. All I remember is that there's this weird like like bronze colored alien dude with like big bulging eyes <laughs> and he did like one part of like one of the soliloquies from Julius Caesar where he's like friends Romans countrymen and like and it's this little history yeah. like diorama where you explore like ancient Rome and then within like 20 minutes someone's like oh it's my world my first world history explorer and I'm like perfect what? how what I've spent a decade and a half trying to remember this game that's really Who nice you? yeah I've done the it's old really Google good. for two hours, random things like bronze alien Caesar game. <laughs> yeah. And because like I used to think it was like an Encarta game, like mm. part of like some sort of Encarta software. And they're like, oh, do you mean Mind Maze? I'm like, no, I don't fucking mean Mind Maze. <laughs> I don't care that much about Mind Maze. Please stop suggesting Mind Maze. It's okay at best. Um, but yeah, no, um, it's it's very weird. I feel like there's there's nebulous things about hypnospace and like the design qualities of hypnospace where it's like like how do we know that we share these these like memories these kind of like uh sensory memories from from that era of the internet whether it's like the boot up sound of a computer or like you know the quality of the audio on a page or like the way in a page like animates or loads when it comes in or like the the pre flash or like when flash was still being utilized mm-hmm. uh just the idea of like a landing page that is a map that is a like just a map of like a little you town the or areas something. yeah yes yeah we have since like abandoned like area anchors hyperlink parts that was such like, a oh, this- strange period <laughs> yeah uh, it was very web pre web 2.0 like mm-hmm. like w- web 2.0 came on and said Oh no! Everything has to be sleek, has to be nicely designed, it has to be usable, it has to be intuitive. And I mean, if you're a certain type of internet user, all that stuff is great. All that stuff is great. Like I can, I can peruse sites, I can get the information I need, I can, I can, I can utilize the website to the highest, the nth factor, the highest possibility. But if right. you're an experiential internet user if you're someone that just wants to find the weird the exotic the quirky mm-hmm. stuff like web 2.0 killed all of that yeah yeah it's it's certainly made things a lot more navigable and easier to use easy to find exactly what you need to but there was you know i, I always struggle with like hmm so it was a nightmare to find anything but Every like you could look at a page for not a long time and know a lot about the person who made <laughs> who made it. Like 
Um, and um, and then social media, of course, is another step. And on the like, I mean, perhaps MySpace wasn't so bad. MySpace maybe brought it back a little bit. People could just go hog wild, m- making all kinds of crazy design decisions with their MySpace page. But um, you know, now you just you just have forms and you and then there's your page and of course like squarespace and these other uh you're not sponsored by squarespace are you no no <laughs> okay good go, go to squarespace use offer code word and you'll never be after this no but like it's not bad like it's again it's convenient and you just want to get your information up um but you know there's um it, you know and for the purpose you know why you have a website for that reason like it's great but it's certainly less interesting now to go looking at websites (laughs) uh right there's the 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 adventure the adventurous quality of the internet has been kind of lost for the most part and and even like how to contextualize your website like back and the day was an unanswered question, the same way it was with CD-ROMs, which is why you had, sometimes it looked like a newspaper, sometimes it looked like you were changing TV channels, and you clicked on the little TV channel. Sometimes they contextualized it like a town or like a neighborhood or, you know, all kinds of these different, sometimes just a book, and it's just beginning to end one enormous book with table of contents so it's it's really interesting and we probably did settle on the, the better you know better uh way to do it but um yeah 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 the skeuomorphism of mm-hmm. the internet also has been pretty much abandoned uh ios held on to it for as long as they mm-hmm. could but then they eventually they got rid of it too right um so Another thing that's that's really great about Hypnospace is that you obviously you have this you have this overarching narrative with kind of like what Merchantsoft is doing, what they're trying to do. Um, you kind of combating them in in whatever way you can, uh, but then on every page or on every like group of page or community, there are just little stories in and of themselves that progress. Like we talked about the freelance thing. Um, another one I really enjoy is, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the post, uh, cool fest debacle <laughs> is it is a wonderful little mini arc that is very, very fun and ties into like the, the great music that like, uh, hot dad made and the, and the ambient music that, that you made. And obviously you made, you made some of the lyrical music mm-hmm. as well, but like it, it, God, I just, <laughs> it's it's the i did not fall in love with the hypnospace soundtrack until i got to the freelance part and i feel like those first like couple of chords of like ready to shave like work with that area <laughs> right. really well I, like i'm serious like that that is some like epic level shit and then like you really and then i start going back and like understanding the cool fest stuff and like the things with um uh freezer and and cool and punk. um yeah. And cool punk and uh, uh, um, uh, chowder man, right? And it's just, uh, and I and I know like you 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 work on music as well, and you, and you do music in your free time, and it's just I just feel like like the entire structure of hypnospace is like this great thing where it's like oh I feel like I have a better understanding of like 
the the folks that worked on this game. Right. But like when I when I when I zero in on on that music part, I was like, all right, this like this just feels like so. Like I feel like like this is like showing me just like a part of Jay that like I understand a little bit because like you talk about music in in composition and stuff on right. Twitter on and off. But like I'm just like this is just so just perfect in just such a way. Like I I I, I really appreciated that part. I I just enjoyed that it. That makes me happy um, here. <laughs> cool punk. Uh, in some ways, that was my personal like. Mm, that was my like pet part of the game where i'm like don't know if anyone will get this um now ready to shave though was a song just at the very end of development um hot dad made it and it wasn't anywhere in the game we were going to put it as a download but so what i did is at the very end i went back and edited this one the guy who runs the freelance i edited his pages to make him a huge fan of chowder man and i even gave him a song analysis for ready to shave page and i put it so that made a good excuse to just put it on every page in the freeland because he's like the plot there as i'm sure you've seen is he's kind of um and as you get further in the game you'll see a little more of this um but the guy who runs the freelands is a little bit you could say he's a little libertarian in terms of how he s- sees things but in, all right, definitely sounds like a tech person. Yeah, but but in reality, in practice, he he he's a little bit of a dictator. There, he has he wants everyone. He's like a homeowners association guy. He wants everyone to right, follow a certain yeah. format. Don't use it has to be in universe graphics. Don't use animations. You you and you can't change the music. It must be ready to shave, and um, and so that worked out really well because one in hypnospace we have an issue where. It's a technical limitation. You may have noticed you can't pause music. You can only stop music and then it'll start at the right. beginning. Yes. That's a technical limitation that it's really goofy that we have this limitation, but we do. And so to make it work, I just figured, hey, I'll put it on every page. Then at least people will get a few minutes into this seven minute song. Um, and it worked really well. Um, and that happened, I think. I'm not sure, but I think in the last week of development, I just put that change in and then edited a bunch of pages to reflect it uh, existing like that. Um, and then I even made his his little character in his RPG. I pretended like, you know, it was supposed to be like his pretending he's the chowder man in the game. And it worked out real well because he had a guitar anyway in his little cog was it cyber cog character yes but um but yeah that that was really fun and i'm glad that no one could really tell that i was just making a bunch of stupid music and then making (laughs) that making that zone as a way to get everyone to listen to my music so yeah more or less is the so the freezer video where it's like when his fans are like, we got him because the, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the whole that's the whole drama of like his part of of Cool mm-hmm. Fest. Is is that you? No, not in the video. That's my friend Paul. He's from a he's from a development group called Chasing Carrots, um, and they're making a pretty cool game right now. But um, he yeah he just volunteered to be the face of Freezer. 
because Freezer's story, like minor spoilers, I guess, but you you would never know this without digging super hard. Is Freezer is was just some nerdy kid who was making music that got popular underground, similar to like maybe Vaporwave did, and um, but he 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 won't perform. He's just too scared, or like he just won't go on a stage. So once he got signed, his label sort of got this dude to be the face of Freezer. And then they still have the other dude making the music. So that's that's a thing that's just like a, you can dig it out if you want to discover it. But I guess I just said it because no, almost no one does. <laughs> so that's a little context as to why like I didn't I didn't do the uh, the Freezer thing. Also, I I think. I think he's kind of an attractive gentleman and Freezer needed to be a little more, you could say, pretty boy, like pop looking. I would be the yeah, behind especially the if scenes. It's not narrator, actually them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I only asked because like the, the, the video quality is like <laughs> downgraded intentionally enough that I was just like, all right, it kind of looks like Jay, but you only see him on screen for like a couple seconds. I can't really tell. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, um, Running all the video through my little pipeline helps cover up all kinds of stuff. Like you can get away so with so much in this game because you know the video is like 180 pixels by 144 or something, and it's very compressed. So. Yeah, um, you talked about that, um, or let's go back and talk about some more technical limitations. So, like, so the game's in Construct Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and which is traditionally well i mean i guess i guess the perception is that it's traditionally like a WYSIWYG mm-hmm. or you know t- click and drag uh game engine um programmer mike i i'm i'm blanking on mike his last lash. name lash okay yeah. um he did he did the the most of the programming for the game or all the programming yeah most of it yeah um and what is what is the what is the language what is what is the under the hood? In that so, thing? um, construct has its own event based language. It's, it's, it's not, you don't type or anything. It's just pointing and clicking, but you know, um, but you do define variables and functions and all that. So it, effectively it's just a slower way of doing something that a real coder might do. Um, I was under the impression that like, if give you were given the option to like, get access to a text editor if you wanted I to wish. but it's not even that um however there were some things we had to do like certain things weren't possible so we had we we did have uh cory from that which is media he went in and javascripted some uh new extensions or modified some of the current uh way construct works i guess you could say to allow us to do some extra things one problem is construct is not meant to load external images or sound and so it's bad at memory management for that and uh it's really only things you import into construct itself it it can keep it neat and tidy but once you start working with external files lots of unpredictable things and so we a lot of that was unsupported too we posted on the forums when we had problems and he's the creator is like sorry you're using it in a way we didn't mean for it to be used so yeah we basically made tools in in construct and we made basically um none of the actual gameplay is coded in construct itself we made a scripting language using constructs 
thing, and then uh, oh my god, a, Jay. Uh, what, you know, tell the just use a different yeah, engine. Yeah, we Jay? really we should have. <laughs> but one upside is I can just go in there and export my own game and edit, edit do all stuff. of it. Yeah, because okay. I I was burned before by a programmer, you know, a long time ago, kind of taking some money and then not not showing up for the work. Um, so I was just thinking, you know, and I hadn't worked with Mike much before. I trusted him, which is why I asked him, and he's very quick and very good. But, you know, you can never be sure. So I just wanted to do something I could finish the game in if need be, you know. So that was, I think, the main reason. And we both grew up in the click and play Games Factory multimedia fusion scene. So we were used to these kinds of programs. Um, So uh, it it was a natural jump. But for the next thing, whatever it is, we're definitely going to, you could say, a big boy a big boy program or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, like, I mean, it's just, it's a tale as old as time, right? It's not, it's not about the the tools. It's about, like, how you use them or, you right. know, I mean, what you're comfortable with creating. An Iconoclast was made in, in uh, Construct. It, it's it's a competent um, thing. If, But I guess if you want to make something that has a lot of edge cases or is it all strange then just use something else. <laughs> or is uh, easily portable to Switch. Oh, yeah. Link. If you want to port to consoles, don't use Construct. It's fantastic, though, for learning. And if you only care about PC and Mac, then just go for it. And it, mobile. It's okay with mobile, too. Yeah. So. yeah. I'm very appreciative that there is a uh, a Mac build for this because this is definitely I uh, my, my PC is currently hooked up to my TV, mm-hmm. so playing anything that's mouse and keyboard based is a is a mm. pain. But I very much enjoy being able to play uh hypnospace on my MacBook. Um so we talked a little bit about this uh construct to switch runtime thing at GDC. Mm-hmm. Wh- what so there's one guy that made this this runtime to be able to port construct games to Switch. Mm-hmm. What what are the specifics of this or like what why why is it I mean I guess I understand you just kind of went over why it's so difficult but I feel like that guy has the keys to yeah, the kingdom. Yeah, he does, yeah. <laughs> he and he's very good at what he does. Um I don't want to like go so much into this other than to say yeah, there the problem is, is that it's just a very tiny market. So you got one guy and he can take care of pretty much everyone. Um, there are some competitors we've talked to um, because, you know, naturally when you're the one guy, you can probably ask for better rates, <laughs> uh, you know, and maybe his rate is just standard porting, you know, the standard porting rate. I don't know because I've not done that a lot. But um, for us, it was just a little, you know, a little t- unrealistic. Um, so we're, we still don't know um, if we can. We are actively looking right now into it still. Like, we want to port it. Um, if we do that, um, I think I'll, I'll get the motivation to, like, add a little bit of extra content to um, just because that's exciting and I, I, I want i it'll get me motivated again i'm st- i still have a little burnout right now but yeah the porting is um has been a, a little bit of a source of stress because of course i want to be on 
the dang Nintendo. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's totally understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so so you you talked about the burnout thing, and I had a I had a talk with Ben Wander, um, who did Case of Distressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had him on this year, and he was very upfront about like basically like the post release depression mm-hmm. uh that indies indies can face sometimes and i mean sometimes it's burnout sometimes it's just straight up like hey i really pushed myself to the to the brink at the end trying to get the game done mm-hmm. but um in his case it very much sounded like i i helped bring this thing into the world and like now i feel like like what what are my hands what what do i do mm. with my hands and so I mean, is in your case, is it solely burnout? Like, do you did you feel that, or is it just like, um, like, or is it? Uh, did you have more to ask? Sorry. Well, yeah, no, it's just like, is it solely burnout, or is it like, is it just this kind of left doing left trying to figure out what the what next thing do? is? Or left like. Yeah, or like, I mean, did you feel that after you did Dropsy? Um, hmm. So, I'm trying to think here. Um, it's, I, I, I don't have the problem of, like, not knowing what to do. Um, there are lots of things I want to do. Um, too many things, I guess. Um, but I did do, I did, you know burn out like just in in terms of being able to work like um and i guess that's what stresses me out is i have a very clear idea of the things i want to do even just on hypnospace itself adding a little bit more and fixing some things up and also on dropsy which we are porting to switch because that's a unity game (laughs) but um we're adding some content to that but um and I guess the struggle with me is knowing exactly what I want to do and just never being able to get the the motivation back. And like I'll sit here and intend to work and like do a little bit and then it's just I can't like it. Uh, so it might be a little depression, uh, but it's definitely burnout, whatever, whatever it is, you know, um, and I'm still dealing with it. Um, and that was released in March. So it's been a while, but. Uh, every now and then I'll pick up steam for like a week here and there, but yeah, it's, it's still rough. And I, I really did do an unhealthy amount of work at the end. Uh, like right before release, I was just like, right at release. And the day before I was just like shaking and I had, I was just having breathing irregularities and just, you know not sleeping enough and i was waking up getting coming to the computer you know working all day i would walk the dog which was if it wasn't for walking the dog i'd probably be much worse off uh and made me get outside a little bit and then my wife was very helpful like you know keeping the house in order at that time because i think now and but that was right before she got her full-time job so if it if that overlaps, that would be very difficult. Um, and yeah, I don't think I've really recovered quite yet. But uh, yeah, I, I I certainly know. I certainly am always coming up with ideas, and I like even in the past couple of months, I've written a few Google Docs of 
potential ideas. And I have some weird set that I made for maybe some YouTube thing to be in the background. Uh, it's real weird. I don't even my wife thinks I'm in a cult. It looks like some like <laughs> I'll send you a picture of it, um, but it's not done. Um, but um, I, it's very strange looking. <laughs> uh, almost art piece, I guess, made out of cardboard and some other materials sitting all right, here. All right. I'm nodding my head. I'm nodding my head. Yeah. Um, so but yeah, I've just been jumping. I think I would move to some other project if I just didn't have the guilt you know, of not working on the things I, you know, and square and quote unquote should be working on right now. Um, and I should be like the dropsy, the dropsy team right now is working quite hard, uh, on getting this, this update done. And I have, have been really slow, <laughs> uh, to get my artwork finished for that, uh, to the point where they're just kind of like begging me, like, can we talk? Is there something we can help with or, and I think they've helped enough, you know, but yeah, so still dealing with it, but yeah. Right. Yeah, I think it's, uh, there's a lot that folks are still trying, to, there's so many folks trying to like get into indie de- development and, and like, oh, I, I would love to make an indie game. And like, I think we're still so far off from them understanding like all the pitfalls and all the, all the 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 struggles and the stressors that that can come with that but i think when when ben told me straight up like i did not feel like making another game right like after this like i just i i just it wasn't i mean it wasn't solely burnout it was just like kind of depression kind of just like a a weird feeling of of being distant and the thing that and i thought this was really interesting like he said the thing that kicked him out of that is that he just saw like I think he saw like the E3 demo for uh for Cyberpunk mm. and for some reason and he comes from AAA mm. so I think that kind of like kicked him back in the gear. It's like, "Oh, that that's really inspiring." Yeah, right. So I want to get get back into to working Seeing on something. Seeing the work of others is but, is very inspiring. Um I think after Dropsy, like I think a difference too is like I don't know how much it, this is the case with him, but like Dropsy was not a commercial success um and you know you'll work a long time on a thing and then you're hoping it's like your ticket out of your situation and then it's not and that's very uh difficult to want to keep going so i think after dropsy i did feel like gee should i go to college (laughs) or like (laughs) something um but um like i did feel aimless a little bit but i also feel some I, we talked about this a little, but some spiritual uh, mission or some, uh, you know, some uh, like I got to like I got to like if I get old and then at the end of my life, like like I know I'm going to make stuff like that's just I feel like I got to even if it's not a job. But if if I get to the end of my life and that like I haven't, you know, contributed anything that can leave someone better than when they first encountered it a, a little bit, like s- something contribute, something good, add something, you know, then, then I will probably not feel very happy about what I did with my time, you know? And I think that that probably can and should come in, in your personal interactions just with people every day. But also like, I don't know, I feel compelled 
I feel like there's some spiritual responsibility that, you know, if I have these abilities and these skills to like put a thing out there and people will engage with it, then that's a privilege. And like, and there's some power there too for people to listen to, you know, you to, you know, and so use that as like an active force for good. And I think that's always what, like, why I, I'm never like, oh, I don't, you know, never like, oh, I don't know what to do next. You know, like, I always feel like that's my, my big, you know, my big thing I got to do. So I'm never so confused about what, but just actually sitting there and like being able to do and like move my hands and like, you know, and then not feel guilt for not wasting time. Like, you know, and of course, back around Dropsy, it was just survival was part of it, too. Like both of those things, you know, I would be I would be happy with like a, a boring job if I can get on and doing this stuff on the side. You know, it would be the same deal. But since I've been able to figure out some way to more or less make it a career, hopefully I can keep that going, too. But yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I feel you entirely like I'm in I'm in a I'm in a weird spot myself like I did the I did the college thing I have I have a I have a day job mm-hmm. um that that pays pretty well but like it you sometimes sit there and go wow this just takes up so much of my time mm-hmm. and then my free time I want to dedicate to doing the things I really want to do and just because like you said like you don't want to get to the end of the race and be like well did I do anything worthwhile did I do anything like I don't know spiritually emotionally mentally like satisfied me and also like brought some pure good into the world right yeah uh, and uh it's 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 a difficult it's a difficult thing to grapple with and i think like people that want to get in and do this stuff really need to realize like i mean to me i don't know i i i've i've been listening to people talk about making stuff for so long at this point and that I've like I have kind of really like digested and like inseminated uh what like all all the trappings all the pitfalls and and, and the mental state you need to go mm-hmm. in going going into this stuff and I think people if they want to make a game have a real hard time really rolling with the punch that is like the game not doing well right and and making and making themselves get back up from that cuz it's like hey your first game might not do well. Your second game might not do well. You know, you, like the. I think Jason Rower said something to this effect. I think he did a GDC talk, and he's the guy that made like one minute, one life. Oh yeah, and, one hour, uh, one life. Castle, yeah, one yeah. hour, one life. Yeah, uh, and Castle Doctrine, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think he also talked a little bit in his GDC talk about like you know my first couple games you know weren't didn't do that great, and I think people make whatever you want as your first game is kind of like my Mm -hmm. mental state like but like realize that it might it might not do what you expect it to do and it might in it and you might be surprised and it might do phenomenally i I don't know but uh i've i've had colleagues that have like are either like nervous about pulling the trigger on their first game and are just like kind of sitting on it Mm. like games that are like pretty much almost done Uh, and aren't pulling that release trigger and it's just like there's never gonna be a perfect time you just gotta do it you just gotta do it Um, oh i know people like that too and there's a few games i know about that 
have been nearly finished for years. And if they would just yeah. release them, they're so good. But yeah. 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 And I mean, like, they just have to, it, you know, they just have to see what, what happens. And, right. And you just, like, yeah, Keller High Water, just like it being out in the world is better than it being out in the world and it really, uh, realizing some sort of like actuality mm-hmm. in terms of success is much better than just like constantly living in that fear. Like it's the, the success superposition, right? Right. It's quantum, quantum state success. Like you don't know how well it is until you, you can actually observe and then it. You can but then I have friends move to something else. Like you're not forever trapped with this maybe right. guilt or exactly. whatever it is of knowing you've worked yeah. so hard on this thing. But yeah. yeah. And then, um, uh, and then I have friends that are that like released their first game and it didn't do well mm-hmm. and just that 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 like really like you know hit them in the wrong way and just like well I'm just never it it it's it's beyond the mentality of like oh I this is I don't think this is mm-hmm. for me like I'll I'll make games in my free time or whatever but I don't think this this pursuit is mm-hmm. for me it's a little different than that it's like this kind of like this this anger this like frustration of like this game didn't do well and that's unfair yeah that's like and i and i mean i can understand it to a certain extent but like um i don't know i mean there's excellent games coming out all the time that no one plays it's very it's a little depressing um yeah i mean with hypnospace even i would say like there's some degree of having to bend to like acknowledge like well think about like is this a game that you know you know how reviewers review games and you you can go look at what's i don't know in the zeitgeist or what people are reacting to and it doesn't need to be the biggest stuff stuff within your niche where a market does maybe exist somewhere and then like see see what's going on and like well like with hypnospace what <laughs> Until the end of 2017, or actually the end of 2018, okay, middle end of 20, no, yeah, end of 2017, excuse me, it was, and we talked about this before, it was just like a big internet and an operating system with very little structure in it at all. It was just a collection of pages, people who were kind of buds with each other, and some downloads to tinker with. It was a toy, and um, more or less. And the cases thing was really just a thin way to get more money so you can play with more stuff. Um, And that was going to be it. Like the narrative was going to be barely there. Like the Merchant Soft stuff was going to be implied and you could dig up some stuff. But um, but that's why, you know, we were kind of we were worrying in our publisher was worrying when we signed with them at the end of 2017 and early 2018 they were like what is pushing people forward like what are they working towards and then we were saying well there's some looming threat of y2k but um how you'd get to y2k because at that time we didn't have any time jumps yet either was still a mystery and so we messed with a few systems for time passing which was was kind of a messy phase but then um like you mentioned, uh, uh, Nelson, Zolivier Nelson Jr. Um, you know, he, he had, um, he had beta tested Dropsy back in the day 
And I, I remember him from back when he had that video games and the Bible.com website. Um, and, um, but he had, you know, come into his own as a, as a good writer and person who makes puns online and stuff. And I felt like his vibe was just like perfect for the game. And at that point we had already made most of the zones, most of the characters in the zones and their pages and stuff. And he really helped us like, he plays so much game so much like he's i guess at an age still where where you you play a lot of video games and i'm not anymore and he i think he also reads and he has a sense of like this and he's worked on things of course would to add a narrative progression to your thing and within the the system mostly just within the systems we already had he was able to help us like i think i think he was probably the reason that it it did as well and connected with people as well as it did um, when it came out. Like without him, I was trusting people to just dig up this stuff and find it interesting. But I was not. But that's when you're a person who makes a thing, you always think it's interesting. But people from the other side, if they're playing it, they're like, well, why do I care if there's this company and they're jerks? Who gives a crap? And so he really helped us put like a why, why are you involved? Who cares? He he helped uh, guide players through it in such a way that they would maybe in some way care about the events that are happening and read all of our dumb stuff. So uh, to circle back to asking about him and to answer your question, I say that like making it making it. Uh, commercially viable is in some ways isn't even like can even make it a better you're like I'm, i didn't feel like i was sacrificing any any of my what i wanted to say through the game either so made it a better piece of art yeah i mean sometimes it just means making it more accessible and i think that's what he helped us do too like um so to, i said all that to say um you know when you're putting your first game out um uh, I mean, and maybe, maybe I should say first commercial game out, like you're taking that big jump or something, you know, maybe before that it's just worth assessing like, and being very hard on yourself and realistically asking, okay, I know I'm super nerdy about all this stuff that's in the game. And so are all my friends, but that can be a relatively tiny group of people. Maybe on Twitter, it looks like a big group of people. But that's because it's your friends you surround yourself with, like, like are people at large, people who watch Twitch streams, like, gonna care, and like you know you see a lot of games like on that are on itch and no shade to them, but they're they're very avant garde, um, and they don't as much give people a reason to like. Um, become you could say emotionally entangled in the story that's happening it's just like they're looking at a art piece in a gallery and that's not bad that's amazing and and i kind of wish those things were marketable because that's all i would make but you know just consider you know that like if if you're hoping that your thing you're putting out there will be a commercial success like you gotta like you gotta put something in there that people will, you know, latch on to. So it doesn't have to be a compromise, I guess, but yeah. I agree. I, I think I think 
emotional entanglement is a good way to 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 pitch that right. like people pe- whether it's narratively or you know just viscerally like there are people there are games that i mean you look at a lot of devolver games and i feel like a lot of their emotional entanglement is like the mm-hmm. way they look or the way they feel like my friend pedro or what's that carrion the one where you basically play like the thing from the right. movie uh it's there, there are a lot of there, there are a lot of ways to get that emotional investment in people and it doesn't just have to be like all right well you have to be you have to write a great story it's like well i don't really i'm not interested in telling a story with my game it's like all right well yeah. find a way like you like like if you're invested in your in what you're making like there's a way to find people there's a way to get people invested too. right when you look at a devolver trailer you know the the thing they want to get out of people like for ape out or for um my friend pedro it's like what is this crazy stuff and you know that's a ba- really base like reaction but that's that's necessary or like um or like gr- how do you say it Gre- gris what how do you say that uh, uh, Greece, because it's it's Spanish. Of it's course. the Spanish word for great. Greece. It's awe and wonder at how beautiful it is, and like, like there has to be some immediate like feeling or something. And Hypnospace has, I guess, kind of the the one you don't want as much. And I admire this one, and I I have this reaction, and I like when I have this reaction. But in a lot of people, it's bad. Is wondering what the heck is this i'm looking at what even like i can't even parse this it's not for me it's too and people often i'll say you know oh i bet the people who made this are on drugs or whatever like it's just too much to to parse and hypnospace is that but it's also um you know people who who like old computer stuff so i think those people would recognize what what we're going for but um I mean, and it's not to say Devolver doesn't hit try to hit that angle sometimes, but I think they're going for a more specific bewilderment than just, huh, weird. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think, like, people having that reaction to when they first see Hypnospace is, like, mimicking the reaction they had when they first saw the early right. internet. They're like, what is right. this thing? My curiosity is driving me through this experience. Right. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, all right. So there are a, a, a handful of other things I want to talk about. First off, I want to talk about cops um, because you have brought up before about because w- the Hypnospace Enforcer you play as in the game, um, uh, you talked about, I've seen you tweet about how people have said, oh, Hypnospace looks really interesting, but I don't like the idea that I play as a cop. And then you say, I really hope, I really wish people would play the game because they would see see that like I agree right. with them. Yeah. Like, um, can you can you go into that a little bit? Like, obviously, like like playing the game, you can obviously tell like the the enforcer is kind of like a way to open people's eyes to like the problems that are happening in hypnospace. But like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's go it's, ahead. Yeah, okay, go ahead. so so the hypnospace is a lot about, in addition to other things, a lot about. You have this system, um, it's very clunky and poorly put together and also put together by a couple of like tech bros, no one who's like an expert at any thing like justice or effective punishment or or whatever, it's just some guys and maybe they have to fulfill some legal requirements maybe, but other than that, it's just their inclinations, you know. 
um, as happened back in the day a lot. It's just these, you know, people, they felt like whiz kids. They were getting a lot of money. They thought they were good at everything. So, but, um, right. The market is rewarding them. So therefore they must be right. And, And so of course, um, like the justice system in the U S is just entrenched in all like hundreds of years of, of, of choices by all kinds of different people. So it's not quite analogous or whatever, but, um, I would say it's close because this system is very clunky. It often doesn't work the way it should. And as you're playing, you, people will hopefully get frustrated that they can't actually make any real justice we rarely you you can rarely do something good, uh, but most of the time it's in the interests of people who are protecting some wealth in some way, and you have to go do their work for them, or or, or something. It's not. It's certainly not in usually in the interests of helping the users be safe or something. Yeah, they don't fight yeah. for the users. Yeah, that's for and sure. And it becomes clear. Uh, in the chapter you're about to enter that like it's just a very bad system and towards the end of the game you you don't necessarily do to not spoil anything you you're doing something slightly not the cop job um at the very end at the in the last act um and there's a little bit of a shoot i can't i don't want to spoil it but there's a lot it it changes well i'm excited to experience it and i i wish i i wish i finished it before we 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 had this talk but i'm um when i do finish it i i uh i want to talk to you yeah we can talk it doesn't doesn't quite not i don't want to spoil it but it's more it focuses more on the whole body of the the internet you've been exploring i i can't tell you uh, I'll just let you experience it. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Preservation, you could say, or something okay. like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was curious if, like, the internet archival, like, the archival quality of, like, digital ownership was going to to come into play. Because, I mean, I feel like that's, a, that's an important discussion that's happening now. Yeah. Without saying anything specific, this probably, you've probably already been spoiled now, but um, <laughs> without being specific. Yeah, there there's some some content about that has to do with well we wanted to we don't want you to be a cop the whole time we knew that from the beginning and like I said earlier originally it was a way to just lead people through our content um, and we wanted a way at the very end to open it, the game up so that if you missed anything you could um, go look at it uh, again so you're able to you know. At the end, it really is just opened up for you to just continue exploring until you've seen enough or seen everything there is. And uh, yeah, so so that that happens at the end. But yeah, I, I don't want to make a, a cop sim <laughs> in my heart. I don't want to do that. So, yeah. yeah um, criminal justice, especially in America, like you said, is in a mm-hmm. weird place. But writing a story that puts you in the role of a law enforcement officer person whatever uh agent of law enforcement agent of justice uh and that itself being a commentary is going to be a weird thing when you give a person agency obviously in hypnospace it's it's a it's a little more constrained like obviously like the the cop you play as in hypnospace has punitive uh abilities but it's not like you don't have a, you <laughs> right. don't have a gun a little small scale there. yeah 
and the people making the final calls are not you generally you know it's the some someone up at the headquarters but yeah so you become a, a cog in that machine yeah you're yourself. just a nobody who 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 narks on everyone yeah <laughs> <laughs> goddamn narks um uh and then i also want to talk about uh um no more robots uh your publisher um so we had mike on uh I think the same year, maybe it was like, maybe it was like eight months afterwards. I think we had him on in 2018. I'm pretty sure. I think it was 2018 post GDC 2018. Um, I feel like, I think the phrase he used to describe you was like mad scientist or mad genius or something like that. <laughs> um, Cause he enjoyed working with you so much. And he just thought like the stuff you created was so wild. We went into like the, the, the design of the discord and, and stuff like that. Um, which in and of itself sounds like a ridiculous thing. Is that is that thing like still crazy active? No, not so much. Uh, I kind of wish we finished our our mod. We're working on an update where you can add in your own programs, um, add in your own networks of pages. You can change all the icons. You can do whatever you want. Mod the whole game if you want, and make it a different game even. Okay. Um. So I, I we really wanted to have that out earlier while the, it was still fiery. But no, nah, it's died down a little bit. Hopefully, uh, hopefully once we announce the update, people will trickle in a little more. So. But Mike is really good at Discord stuff. Our publisher, Mike. We have two Mikes, you know, the coder Mike and publisher Mike. Publisher Mike is evil Mike. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that's understandable. Yeah, I can I can get that. Having mm-hmm. having talked to Mike Rose multiple times, evil Mike. Um, <laughs> evil Mike. Yeah, he does. He seems very big on the on the power of discord and, and discord communities and just like yeah, i think it's true yeah he's really good at it too so but so it seems like a lot of uh uh no more robots releases uh including hypnospace have like done really well like what um we kind of talked a little bit at gdc about like the differences and like the two publishers you had with your two different games like and how you brought you 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 worked with mike kind of a little bit later in development when you knew you needed that 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 final push with helping get the game out. Um, I think you told me like you, you never really intend not to work with a publisher or with your future projects unless like financially that's viable. Is that, is that still the case? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know at this point. Um, I, I, cause the landscape now is just so strange with indie games. I'll probably see, I'll probably work with Mike again. Um, if, if he wants whatever next thing I've got, um, I just, had a pretty good experience with him he didn't spend a lot which was um good because that means less to recoup um and he was very effective even though he didn't he didn't spend all, like you know all the things you think you need people think you need like a big booth or any booth <laughs> at some conventions um all kinds of things um certain he did do some targeted advertising but not so much um but um yeah uh it it, the game did well for 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 how much was spent on it um by the publisher and really i even when when we signed i asked him please let's spend as little as possible and he's like oh no that's i'm all about that he said so i was kind of on board then um and and it's not that devolver um it's not that they go so crazy spending either um it's just that this was my first rodeo you may might say 
And I was just, they're like, hey, do you want to booth at PAX? Hey, do you want to do this? Hey, do you want to do that? And of course, I'm just saying yes to everything because, hey, this is advanced. I don't, you know, and so, and I'm also thinking like, well, oh yeah, of course you got to be at all the PAXs. Of course you got to do all this. So I thought you kind of had to, and I could have just told them no, that's how it works, but I did not. And, you know, we had a lot to recoup with Dropsy. And the other thing is it's a point and click adventure. Like the genre is just it has its audience, the same people by all of them. And it's not a big audience. Um, And, you know, unless you're a big name like Tim Schafer or something like it's just and you have some nostalgia thing. Paul, mm-hmm. like you got that Microsoft money now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Uh, I forgot about that. Uh, but you know, you're not gonna, you're not gonna, it's not gonna go nuts for you or anything. And then so combo of that and that we had racked up a little bit of recoup meant that Dropsy, you know, took a while to become profitable. So, um, you know, I'd work with them again too, as people, they're great and they know how to market a game for sure. But I would certainly involve the game in less packs no one wants to go to PAX and play a point-and-click adventure, by the way. Don't bring your point-and-click adventure <laughs> to PAX. Just advice. When when Mike brought Hypnospace to PAX South this year, though, he did. Uh, he borrowed uh, Fred Wood's giant-ass CRTV. That was great. Yeah, and like if you remember, it was just the TV with the game. There was no signage or nothing fancy, just the TV, which is what you need. Um and that was not a very that was not very expensive, like that whole presence there. And we were there. So but I think that may have been one of the two conventions we took it to. Only two, I think. Um, yeah, I don't think I saw it at, at East. Yeah, I don't think West it was. Uh, it was, Oh, it was at uh, I believe it was at Mild Rumpus at GDC. Um, yes, yes, I think last year is free or cheap um so yeah yeah um yeah i mean like well i don't know if a gdc like the smallest gdc pass is any cheaper than a pax weekend pass but we did get we did get nominated for igf for like three of those so i don't we didn't have to pay (laughs) i think Actually, don't quote me on that one. <laughs> maybe maybe we did have to recoup that. I don't know. But whatever the case, like the total recoup was not a lot. So yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah. I, f- I feel like the payment stuff, like the, the reimbursement stuff for GDC is all out of whack because like traditionally speakers don't get reimbursed. But then like I think everyone that were that spoke on a union panel got reimbursed this year. And then they did that GDC in the gardens thing with the, the music acts. And apparently they all got reimbursed. Um, but then I heard like it, it took them a little while to get their to see their money. GDC like kind of kills me because I know like the people who run it like have very good intentions and they're good people. And then the people above them who own them, probably not so good people and they're business people. So like it's, I you know, if I don't want to say I, I hope it goes away because it's, you know. It is a, a thing that where everyone goes to it. So you can go there and just hang out with a bunch of neat people who made some neat stuff. But I, if it does go, away, I hope something else just as big and just as, you know, uh, that everyone else will go to can replace it. 
but it is not accessible for sure. And I don't think I would, I don't think I'm going to go again unless we get another award nomination or something. So, yeah. So when you come to MAGFest, man, talk about every year you come to MAGFest. Oh, shoot. I've been talking about coming to MAGFest for like 12 years now. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's very uh, unrealistic for me because we go to the U.S. and visit usually for Thanksgiving or Christmas. And uh, just stay an extra week. You know, we're going for Christmas next year. So maybe I'll sort that out so I can stay an extra week. And then go to MAGFest. And then Katie can just come back here because I don't think she would care. But, um, and she would be very bored. But, um. Well, when, if you can ever make it, man, you got a, you got a free, free room. Ooh, thank With you. me if you want. Yeah. Oh, I'll take it. Uh, all right. Then let's sign me up for 2021. Hopefully MAGFest is still going on. <laughs> I don't see it dying down anytime soon. I mean, the, 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 the. The con can get a little uh, unorganized at times, but I don't. I don't see. I don't see the greater mechanism collapsing. Is it? Is it like like I feel like it is? Where because the vibe I get online is very positive. Like yes, um, it's a very it's a very joyous celebration. It's 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 unlike most conventions I go to because most conventions, like I don't stay, like like PAX, like I almost have like such a routine at PAX now. I, I, I do what I need to do to do the panel. I go and I find the games I want to showcase. I, I, I do the panel after that. I barely even play any games mm-hmm. after I do the panel just because like I'm kind of burnt out on it. So I mostly spend the rest of the weekend right. catching out with people, talking to people, hanging out at their booths. Maybe I'll play another game or two. I'll go see some other panels. But MAGFest, one, because it's so close to me, so it's only a two-hour drive, uh so a bunch of my friends go to it doesn't shut down oh it's 24 oh, hours yeah. so like yeah so you yeah so they have both like an indie hall and then like a That's arcade incredible. room hall i would have bad self-control you there. can just get it yeah. <laughs> i mean yeah man you can get up at one o'clock in the morning go downstairs and play like you know i don't know that's an amazing EDR or something like, i never thought about how the 24-hour thing plays into it but that's really that feels that would feel like a summer camp or something it's very much that it's very much a very uh uh raucous (laughs) winter uh, winter camp and all yeah yes oh my god and there's a giant like Mm -hmm. glass door that's like at the bottom of an escalator that you turn and then it's the line it's all the halls next to that and when someone like cracks that thing open like at eight o'clock at night or in the morning yeah it's just like an arctic wind just like pours in because you're maybe i'll try to put together a music thing Um, and try to apply or something that would be really fun and i miss music yeah or do or do a panel or something man um because they have a uh uh they have like a they have the regular panel series and then they have like an educational symposium, which is educational, quote unquote. Like, I mean, obviously, like there's a lot yeah. of inf- informative stuff, but like I'm in it and like I'm doing something that's like kind of informational, mm-hmm. kind of entertaining. So like it's so I mean, if you just like put an application for a panel in, like you can probably like cut hey, some costs I'll out that way. Both. I mean, obviously, you have to find a way to fly. I did apply it. to perform there a few times <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, back uh, oh yeah, G two thousand nine or ten or so. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some pretty good uh, uh, acts there. I saw, uh, um, who did I see? Oh uh, yeah, Pit Brigade. Nice. I saw there, and they're they're really good. 
Um, they did they did the Ducktales. Game. Oh, that is they did all the music from the Ducktales game, and that was yeah, pretty good. man. I I really yeah. need to keep up with like the chiptune VGM scene again. I lost touch. I that was I was super into that yeah. scene in the like two thousand nine ish, two thousand ten. Yeah. Well, it's alive and well at Magfest. So if you ever if you ever make it there, um, but uh, yeah, Jay, I think um, I think we're kind of wrapping up here. I don't know if I have anything else. Uh, oh well, mm-hmm. okay. I we 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 touched on music. I kind of want to talk okay. about music a little bit, um, just because I kind of have so. Um, you've kind of expressed like you're you're big into like progressive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. rock big prog rock guy and stuff like that um there's some flute work in 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 the music and like the launch not the launch trailer i think it was like the announcement trailer with no more robots there's like a little a good mm-hmm. little bit of flute ro- work at the end with the with the logo reel really nice. enjoyed that um do you play flute you're no, a I'm flute like just, just a big okay, cool. flute fan i'm a flute fan um i like flute but uh it's it's good so I know most of the music you did and then like obviously Hot Dad did a lot of like the Chowder Man specific stuff and then some of the some of the other stuff like so what is your inspiration for like that I don't want to say genre but like that the the music that represents hypnospace because like I feel like again everyone has kind of like a different idea of like what music is from from uh that era like for me it's very much like edutainment music slash like the sim soundtrack is very big I don't know if you saw at a gdc this year but disaster piece did a set in the garden and he played under construction from the sims one soundtrack and i like lost my goddamn mind i was wa- i was there and you know what? he played a dropsy song too oh did he uh, very cool yeah and his dj set yeah very cool but uh are, are there specific inspirations that you look at from like that that era of the internet um, for this stuff yeah uh more like i got real into so neil cc riga made a twitter account years ago called prefab fm and you've seen this i think um or i you may hit like on it i don't remember but i made so i looked at that and it's all stock music production music you know library music made from i think like the late 80s into the 90s and um i got really into the some of the specific artists who used to make or maybe even still make production music, uh, stock music, um, especially that era of like late 80s and into the 90s and maybe early 2000s. Um, there were a lot of FM synthesizers, a lot of like bell arpeggios and tinkly like Kodo sounds and stuff. Um, I definitely see a lot of like bells and whistles and kind of like yeah, uh, a lot tool of sets like that. Percussion in, the music. in there, uh, xylophones and like these fast, like sort of um, minimalist, almost sounding um, uh, Steve Reich sounding um, compositions in like, especially early 90s, like edutainment or educational videos or news reports where they were going to talk about technology. They always had this sort of um, arpeggio thing with these with these instruments and it and it just sounded like science and progress technology sound so that that i i just tracked that down to the specific artists who made it and and um i made a list called i think it's fm corporate utopia or something but it's a playlist <laughs> of all stock music it's like 86 hours and it's a mixture there's some oh my god there's some that sound like um 
but that's because I just dumped entire albums of the stuff, so it added up. Sure, sure. It's, yeah. uh, you you should hit random if you play it, but um, it's um. Is this on Spotify? Yeah, is this a public and there's playlist? also one called Global Village Coffee House, which is an, inspired by that sort of uh, art m- design language, art movement, whatever, and uh, corporate art in the 90s of like people holding hands and sort of etched out tribal symbols, but also like yeah. in coffee houses a lot. And um, yeah, yeah, there's a there's a weird amount of like. Uh, like the drum beats in like some of that kind of edutainment music has like a weird amount of like cultural appropriation to it because like this this is very much like an African sounding drum yeah that you just have like interlaced with like the xylophones and everything yeah there's all this big stuff about like you know it, it ties into the thing about community and the internet yes. bringing a new sense of community and the global community yeah global village yeah so um so I think that's why it's associated with technology because the communications aspect but like um you know um and i'm sure a lot of these composers thought they were being very deep by incorporating you know tabla and all this into their um their otherwise very futurist sounding compositions but um so yeah yeah just listening to that 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 um playlist was my soundtrack for like uh, i'll send you the link to if you want but to the large large portion of the game and just analyzing like what instruments did they use most of it was just studio made by usually a, a person, one person, and they sure. had their wavetable synthesis or their FM synthesis keyboards and just went to town just in the studio making all these little production music pieces. And then some executive or, or person whose job it is to pick out the music would go look through the library and pick out the appropriate music or whatever. So it's a real cynical process, I guess, you know, um, but that that old production music, which is really good to work to because it's designed not to mess, not to draw too much attention, but just give a mood, you know, um, that production music was what inspired most of just like the loops on the pages or like the intro with the sort of um xylophones and kodo sounds and and uh, marimbas and stuff like the intro right. video of hypnospace has this it's in seven eight also i think there's some modulation happening but um uh metric modulation it's interesting it's an interesting time signature yeah yeah it's in seven eight and, and it, the lady talks over it like with the sort of the future is you oh yeah and it's um very very there's a prodigy commercial also from the era that I was inspired by for that video. And they had similarly had like pan flutes and tribal sounds in there with like 3d avatars flying around and stuff. So yeah, like really influenced also CD ROM music, like you were saying really low bit rate CD ROM music, but, um, which also probably was at some point, most of it was stock music also. So, um, that they just, extracted and um yeah i guess just the music of the day was the inspiration but um you know it gets deeper with like the band the fake bands or some of the real bands yeah i guess squishers oh squishers (laughs) squishers is really fun hot dead did a real good sort of pseudo pokemon theme song there yes um though at the beginning that was going to be more garbage pale kids than pokemon but um it just i could see that yeah, it ended up being a little more Pokemon. Um, 
it's like Pokemon Neopets E. Like, yeah. I mean, that like the collectible thing. aspect is there, but uh, yeah. Yeah. The, our rock, paper, shotgun review. That was the only thing they didn't like is squishers. They were like, uh, ev- they loved everything, just not squishers. And I guess because they thought it was too on the nose, like, and we do say you got to collect them all. If I, if I went back, you know, with the rest of the game, you can kind of guess it what the references what the sure. thing might be culturally like spiritually referencing but you would never right. know directly but with squishers it's pretty clearly pokemon you know yeah but i mean like it's not like nakedly pokemon like i'm working on something that has aspects that are kind of even more nakedly pokemon well, okay yeah if rps doesn't like squishers i'm very right. afraid of what they would think of what i'm working on but uh well the know, game like, itself i think they felt like it was just a tonal mismatch because the rest of the game not really so many direct references but i don't know i like it too so yeah what about stick bricks that did oh yeah stick bricks was in there just because of a stupid idea i had where what if legos had points at the end of each of the at the end of each of the little stubs or nubs they were pointed so that they would hurt very bad if you stepped on them but that that was also like a last week development thing wasn't it that was in the last two weeks and mike i made some stupid lego-y graphics and mike i'm i begged mike can you please make it into an application in the game please please and he was kind of like you I know he thought he was like, this is like the last thing we need to add in the last two weeks. But <laughs> and no one even cared about it a lot. But so, oh, man, I was all for it, though. When I saw good. that gif, I was like, yeah, this is good. But then I was also like, Jay, he got shit this game, man. Yeah. Yeah. I should have not done that and just worked on some other stuff. But I don't know. It's fine. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, in the song on the stick bricks page was I didn't have time. So one of our community people, we had some community challenges to make like some sequencer songs with our sequencer. And he had made a few cool little loops. And I was just like, hey, can we use your song in here? And I'll PayPal you something. And then uh, so he let us use his little uh, loop he made with our sequencer. Um, And I think there's one other one from a community member in there, too. But um, yeah, that's the story behind that. But yeah, all that was just that's my that's my thing that I like the most. Yeah, looking into music, defining like thinking about which sounds are those, what effects are they using, like trying to reproduce that. That's what I get the most nerdy about. And you can tell because we have fake like if you notice, there's like almost no fake TV, very few fake movies. Everything is music. Um that's just because it's what I'm interested in. Um, <laughs> so, so if you were a big cinemaphile, we would see just movie references. There would be movie we clips. Hypnospace. Yeah, like crazy. And we did have a fake Twin Peaks-esque. It's not quite ten, Twin Peaks either. It's just similar in that it's a weird thing that's also a soap opera. But it didn't make it in in time. Uh, and I, it was written by Greg Buchanan. He wrote for um, No Man's Sky a little bit. Um Okay, but man, it's so good, and that's a thing I might try to get in later. There's also supposed to be some anti-drug content from Ronnie, who runs Teen Topia, which would be very like, well, Ronnie, you'll find out some about him later. But 
it would not be very helpful anti-drug content. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so all that stuff is, man, there's so many things that I just wanted to get in, but just could not. Seems like Hypnospace, the game could potentially be like a really good platform for like some sort of like, I don't know, serialized content, episodic content. That would be a good idea. Um, the only issue is like how because you know in the game time passes so like at the end i could think of a way of putting it in there but then that means everyone would have to have beaten the game which i think most people have not so i don't know i figure out could figure out some way to make that a thing i do want to do it though um even if i don't maybe i'll even like secretly push something like a some new music or some new character in there because Every few years you see a thing on Kotaku or somewhere where it's like this game has secretly been pushing updates and no one knows what's going on. And so we could get some little weird press from that. I don't know. Um, but just because also like if I just want to make something and immediately have a little audience for it. Well, I could because a lot of people have the game. So Yeah, Jay, I. uh I think that's that's pretty much all I have in terms of questions and stuff. Like I said, I, I'm really enjoying the game. I want to finish it before before the year's out um, because I want to talk about it more with uh, my colleagues um, for our game of the year stuff. Uh, Sounds good. I am just making sure I didn't leave anything out. So people can buy the game. It's on Mac, PC, Linux. Correct, Linux. Um, how is that? How supporting that game for mm. Linux? Uh, most people can play it on Linux. I, it depends on okay. your specific whatever. I don't know. Good luck. If feel for your <laughs> refund if it doesn't work. Sure. But we can't uh, support it any more than we have. So it's just too too complex. Yeah. That's understandable. Uh, where can people find you? I am on Twitter at J Tolan or Tholen. Um, I don't know how to say that, but T H uh, O L E N. Um, yeah, that's mostly it. jtholan.net is my website. Um, and if you want to join the hypnospace community, go to discord.gg slash hypnospace. And we will be having some challenges soon to make your own page and make your own little song and stuff. Not necessarily to really put in the game, but just for fun. Um, and cred we'll do some streams too so should be fun <laughs> that's awesome is there uh can you export songs you make in the sequencer uh not really to for the soundtrack i just played them and then recorded the audio recorded. yeah um of course we made the sequencer and construct and it just has no advanced audio anything to I. speak o. of yeah yeah so um uh, no, just recording the stereo output is pretty much how you have to record those. Though you can very easily listen to them in the game if you drop them in a folder. So, Right. Awesome. Um, well, I'm at Dylan Alvento, and if you like this podcast and you want to listen to any of our other podcasts, you can find them at ward-games.com or on Twitter at wardvideogames or just search wardcast wherever you listen to a podcast. Jay, thank you again for coming on. Dylan. Thank you again for talking to me about everything. Yeah, no problem. It's been fun. Thanks for having yeah. me. Of course. I always enjoy having you on. And uh, whatever you got cooking up next, would love to have you on again talk to you about it.
We'll see. Yeah, sounds good. I will be back on. Awesome. See you then. Ciao.